Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American, licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Cassandra Getter is a writer and health coach. She founded Have Faith and Live Well in August 2019. Her mission is to empower women to manage their chronic illnesses, such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and prediabetes. Cassandra teaches a new healthier approach to food to her clients so they can live better lives. She was successful in reversing prediabetes and high cholesterol diagnoses naturally and enjoyed the weight loss as an added benefit. She received her Bachelor of Science degree in chemistry from Virginia Commonwealth University and her Master of Science degree in analytical chemistry. She later received her post-baccalaureate certificate in health and wellness coaching from the Maryland University of Integrative Health. As a mom and wife, Cassandra understands that life can be busy at times and a bit overwhelming. In her spare time, she enjoys traveling, reading, cooking, working out, and all things health and wellness. Please join us in welcoming Cassandra to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller. Okay, Cassandra. Welcome. Welcome to Change the Narrative. So happy to have you on today. Yeah, thank you, J.D. Thank you for having me. For sure. So I'd like to know a little bit about your background. I always try to think of a different way to ask a question about a person's background. This is what I came up with for you. Tell us something about your experience growing up that played a significant role in your life with where you are right now. Well, my mom was a single parent and she was a nurse. And basically, I saw how hard she studied in school. And that really decided for me that I wanted to go to college. Yes. And I actually ended up getting a bachelor's degree in chemistry and a master's degree in analytical chemistry. Interesting. So that's when it, where the next question comes in, which is, tell us about how chemistry, this whole background, first of all, let me just back up from there. How, where did chemistry come from? How, did you love it in, in school? How did you know? Well, I think I knew I wanted to get into the medical field at first, okay. and then I didn't want to be a nurse. I didn't want to be a doctor. And then I said, well, maybe a pharmacist, you know, thinking I'll be helping people. And then when that didn't, and then when I actually started working at a pharmacy, I didn't like it. So chemistry was my backup plan. Got it. Okay. So then can you draw the direct connection from your chemistry background to wellness? Well, I was going to say, let me just add this to clarify in case that wasn't clear enough. Chemistry seems to go along with pharmaceuticals. So, yes. Right? And, and that's kind of the opposite of what wellness coaches think is health-oriented. So that's what I mean. How, how did that draw the line to the wellness approach? Well, when my son was two years old, he was diagnosed as being on the spectrum. And I didn't know what that was at the time. And so I started doing research, and then basically the rabbit hole opened up. And it got deeper and deeper, if that makes sense. And then yeah. just finding out that what farmers, the pharmaceutical industry was really about. It's a billion dollar industry. It doesn't make people well. It's only good for keeping people sick. And from there, that's how I got into the wellness spectrum. In 2019, I finished my health and wellness coaching certification. And also another story with that is I probably about six years ago now, I was diagnosed with prediabetes and high cholesterol. 
I didn't want to be on medication because I know with medication, you have side effects and side effects, which leads to more medication, more side effects, basically just changing my diet and exercise and using supplements at that particular time, I was able to reverse both diagnoses without using these pharmaceuticals. You know, this is where I'm perplexed for myself. I work out four to five times a week. I've, I don't think I've been leaner in my life and basically a vegetarian diet. I don't eat a lot of high fat foods. What else? I'm not, I, I've slowed down a lot on the salt intake and I've been mm-hmm. diagnosed with high cholesterol and high blood pressure. Now, not to a serious degree, but you know how doctors are, put your medication right, right away. And I, right. I've gone on the holistic route and my blood pressure still stays a little bit high. How are you able to do that? I put the disclaimer out there. I'm not a doctor. So yeah. I would say stress also plays a role though, because when I was in grad- working on my graduate degree, it was very, very stressful. That's when my blood pressure was starting to come high. And then after I graduated, I noticed that it was running, the bottom number running in the 90s and the top number running the 140s. When I changed jobs, I noticed that it dropped by 40 points. So I knew that stress played a role and I knew that I had to take my health more seriously because I was in denial at first because I wasn't overweight. I was probably, I was five, I'm five, two. I was probably at that time, maybe 120 pounds. Oh my God. So I really was like, okay, why do I have high blood pressure? But it was stress. <laughs> You're just pushing me more in the direction of retirement next year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Say that your coaching in this work has focused on chronic illnesses. So you've disclosed some of your own. Are there any other chronic illnesses that you focus on or is it pretty much you just open it up to anyone who's, who's uh, diagnosed with something that's chronic? Um, blood pressure is something else that I focus on and sometimes cancer because I've had a skill with that as well. And my mom is a survivor, a cancer survivor. Okay. and. Your experience is that, yeah, this is all your experience. We're not going up against medical science, but you know, one's experience is incredibly important. So you've changed habits about how you address these issues in terms of diet and exercise. Talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Just like, there's a lot of things, like a lot of unclean foods out there, like, like pork. Wait, 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 we're going to get the pork later on. Okay. And then I got a whole section of pork. And it's, and then seafood, of course, that, that has a lot of cholesterol and also anything like crabs and shrimp, they're scavengers. If they're eating, well, they're called the garbage men of the earth. So if they're a garbage man, what are you eating when you eat that? Okay. This is getting good. So <laughs> we're getting deeper by good. I mean, deeper. So I have a friend who I have a couple of friends who swear by seafood. They'll say. I don't eat meat. I just eat seafood. What do you say to that? Well, I mean, if they're talking about fish, then it's fine. But if you're talking about the crab or the scallop, anything that's like considered a scavenger and catfish, because catfish don't have scales, but anything that has scales generally is is good. As long as it's not farm raised, but as long as it's it's like wild salmon, that's good for you because that's a good fat, but and, and it has scales. Anything that scales, that's not farm raised, is something that I would eat. Let me put it that way. Okay, no, that's helpful. And so, but I, I thought that salmon 
they're kind of at the bottom as well, aren't they? Don't they kind of run around the bottom of the ocean as well? They don't, I don't think they eat, they don't eat, they don't eat garbage like a cat. <laughs> I like that clarification. Oh no, catfish, catfish is next level. It's so much a part of our history. I mean, it's, you know, easy fishing. And so in the South, it's, it's been a staple. I'm going to dovetail into the faith aspect of what you do and, and talk about how faith and nutrition have come together for you. What do they have to do with each other? Well, faith is have faith that you can have faith to live well, live well, meaning, you know, you do the right things for your health and have faith that you can achieve your health and wellness goals. Because I've come across clients that they're, because they have failed in the past, they feel like they're going to fail in the future, but you have to look at, well, what have you done in the past and how did that work for you? So basically you, you've heard the saying that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and getting yeah. the same results. So, you know, try something that's different and you'll get a better outcome, but don't set yourself up for failure. So that's where the faith comes in. Okay. Okay. And in your personal life, has that taken more of a direction of religious focus? Is it more spiritual? and does that guide you? I guess it is more spiritual. Like I see that as a way of life. I don't really say it's a religion per se. I just say it's more of a way of life. What do you think about people who are more highly religious, but live in contradiction and judge others as a result of that? It sounds like that's not, that's not your vibe. No, that's not my vibe. There are a lot of people out there like that. And maybe at one point I was like that, but I've learned as I've got older that you let your, your life be your testimony. Like people look at mm. how you're living because you could say, you could go around quoting scriptures all day, but if you're not living those scriptures, it doesn't mean anything. But if people see that you're living, you're practicing what you're preaching, you're, you're walking the walk, talking the talk, then people can say, yeah, you know, she's really you know, she's not a hypocrite. She's true to what she's speaking about. I appreciate that so much, so much. In the, you know, era of the conservative Christian, so much judgment flying and people presenting scriptures in defense and then literally contradicting that with a level of hate that's, it's unbelievable because it's on social media. So you see it all the time. We can't get away from it. Right. So how, how do you battle that when you say that you are faith based? Do you, do you come up against people who say you want to question you and just see if it's more of a religious, not just I don't want to say cult, but kind of cult. You know how religiosity can be just if right. you don't, you know, dogmatic, dogmatic. How do you get beyond that and what you present to people so they know you're not that person? Well, basically just focusing on the health, just more on the health. Like this is basically if you're eating all these wrong foods and you have diabetes, you have swollen feet and you're just all jacked up. And mm -hmm. so basically, okay, well, how is, you know, if you're following all of this stuff, how is that working for you? And if it's not, okay, maybe you need to change your approach. So it's more okay. the focus of this is good for you you know, keeping our temples clean, not just putting anything in our temples. And while we're walking around, you know, feeling the way we're feeling. I think that's such a hard one for people, particularly cultures who congregate around food and 
you know, as a part of enslavement, mm-hmm. meal making meat. This day, it's such an important part of our culture, not just our culture. Well, any any collective meals, preparation, all that, such a huge part. And what comes to mind is what legacy left in terms of food. How do you how do you work with people on that? It's it's not just habit; it's also kind of ties into belief. How do you manage that? Well, you know, back in slavery, they gave us the leftovers, basically. They while they didn't know, and, and that's kind of. And I guess some of us have uh, that slave mentality, never able to get away from that, like just eating those intestines and just leftover stuff instead of just getting you a nice. And it's also how you cook it too. Like chicken isn't bad for you, but it's all how you cook it. It's it's all about the preparation of the of the food. Like okay, some people I know you've seen this. They put salt on food before they even taste it. But, you know, if you, there are a lot of things you could use as alternatives to salt. You don't have to put salt in your food to make it taste good. There are other things that you can put in there. So it's just finding alternative ways to make food taste good and also make it in a healthy way. But I know some of us just get caught up in what, well, our ancestors did that or, and they survived. But, mm-hmm. you know, things are changing now with GMOs and just everything is different now than when it was back then. Back then, People probably grew their food more so, and now we have processed foods and people just uh, heat and eat type of thing. So it's all on how it's prepared and things are not the same as they were 50 years ago. Do you believe the same thing about chickens in terms of uh, how they're raised? Because I'll tell you what stopped me from eating chicken. I was driving a truck once and it was packed with chickens. And I was like, okay, now chicken's off my plate. That visual, to this day, I can pull that visual up in my mind. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd say eating meat is a choice. And I would say with chicken, I would say, I know for me, you look for something that's antibiotic free. I know, I guess about maybe 10 years ago, they had documentaries about how chickens are treated. Like they have those that are free range and those that are in cages. So I know if you eat eggs, you buy the cage free eggs as opposed to those that are not. So it's, it's, it's all on how, how they're packaged. Do you feel the same way about chicken and cows that are more of a, uh, what is it, farm, farm, what is it called, farm-raised? How do they say that? Farm-raised, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's more used to talk about fish usually, but cows oh. cows eat grass, you know? So if a cow, if you're feeding cow anything other than grass, and I'm like, that's a question mark. And because you'll see, because I... I just listened to something on YouTube where the guy said, I just only eat grass-fed beef because that's what cows eat is grass. Grass-fed, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you feel the same way about chicken? Grass-fed? Uh, chicken is more so ana- no antibiotics added to it. Because, okay, that's what it is. Yeah, because I think there was something out that they were giving chickens antibiotics so they could grow faster. Yes. But yes, if, if right. in fact making the making the chickens too heavy for their legs, they couldn't stand up on their legs. So they were just trying to make money quicker, but you're harming the chickens by making them grow faster. Wow. I do remember that. But since the plug's been pulled on that, don't you think people 
are more more aware of that or or not? I think people are more aware, but then I think too, it's a cost issue. Like, of course, now you you see everything so very very expensive. So sometimes people they can't afford it because it's always been more expensive to eat healthy, but now it's it's just more expensive to eat. Period. So mm-hmm. you have to just choose choose pick and choose. You know, for some people, what they want to eat. I still shop the same way. I read food labels, you know, so I don't, I don't skip on that. I still eat the same way in spite of the price. I just have to kind of shop at different stores because some stores are, you might can find something cheaper at Wegmans than you can at John or wherever you choose to shop. You just have to shop around yeah. and get the best deals with coupons. Yeah, coupons, yeah. I used to love those shows about how people shop with coupons. That's fascinating to me. Talk about smart goals. You use smart goals with your clients uh, and your coaching practice. Will you talk about that a little bit? Explain what that is? Well, you know, a smart goal, just something that's sensible, like that's realistic, basically, and something that's attainable that you can, like usually a client will set a goal, like say if they want to lose 15 pounds and then they have a, have a set time, you know, that they want to lose the weight. Yeah, because all all your goals have to be time manageable and attainable and sensible. It's helping them to set them or do you kind of give them your input? Well, it's more so guiding them because at the end of the day, they have to be the one to set the goal. You know, I could, I I don't want to be the one to say, hey, do this, but they have to want to be able to set the goal. Like most of them, most clients that come to me, they really, they know what they want. Like, hey, I want to lose weight maybe to get into a, a wedding, you know, I'm getting married in six months. I want to get able to get into my dress or whatever the case may be. Or, hey, the doctor says I have prediabetes. I need to lose some weight. So they kind of have an idea of uh, where they want to go with the goals and of being healthy and more fit. Sometimes it's just a matter of uh, being more active, whatever it may be. So it's ultimately up to the the client to make that to make their choices about the goal. I'm only merely there to guide them. I like to say a GPS, you know where you want to go and I'm just there to guide you to get there. Okay, I got a good one for you. So I have friends who talk about that. They want to do it and they don't tell themselves the truth. It's like, this is jacked up. How do you manage that? You can be looking at someone and tell them, you're not eating as well as you think you're eating. You're not doing everything you, you think you're doing. How do you get past that? Because there is some quality test. I would call that as a therapist. I mean, you just have to ask the right questions. Like, uh, I guess maybe like, how do you feel after you eat a certain food? Or, you know, what do you eat in a certain, in a during the day? Do you change up on the weekend? It's kind of like, how do you feel when you eat that? Or you just have to ask those, those right questions. And then once you, and then sometimes mm. you ask them a question and it's like, boom, then it's like, wow, that's it. You know, they might be like, wow, that's, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out. Hey, sometimes, oh man, that's, that's, that's what it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I would imagine as a therapist, we often ask the same question again in different ways. And when it clicks, it clicks. It's like, right. like you're saying, it's sort of like an epiphany that it's not necessarily thinking about a difference, just like the pathway opens up or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. You can be, like I, like I had mentioned, I was in denial for a while about my blood pressure. But once 
I realized, oh, it was stress. Oh, I took it more seriously. You just keep, you just keep throwing that one in my face, huh? The stress. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, that, that, that was my story. <laughs> no, no, but, but tell me it's my story. And I, I, I hear you, Cassandra. <laughs> I'm hearing you there. Did it actually, you know, like Kevin said, different things you tried to deal with specific things. For example, you know, my idea of, of was was juicing and I would juice greens. Greens were my thing. And I love spinach. I love mm -hmm. kale. I love beets. That was my main juice for I don't know how long. And then I developed kidney stones. And they were like, okay, now you have to go on a, a what is it? A, I forget what it's called. But basically eliminated beets and <laughs> spinach and kale. Oh. And it can be so frustrating when, you, when the things you think that are working for you are going on the right track. But like Kevin said, you know, you really have to just right, keep yeah. testing it, right? Because like at any, any time something can turn on you that you thought were, was working and you become so committed to it. Right, yeah. Yeah, you could think you're doing, you know, like uh, someone that's, I think someone, I you know, say if you're talking to someone that has high blood pressure, then they start eating a lot of pasta and then they develop prediabetes because they're trying to avoid salt and then they eat something else that's not, you know, Everything in in moderation. You eat a variety of things. Everything yeah. in moderation. Yeah. So don't overdo one thing. Yeah, that that's really important. Okay, let's talk about the bottom coast. So pigs are my favorite animals. I used to have a pot belly pig, and I think there's a lot of mis. <laughs> I think there's a lot of misconceptions that go around about pigs, and I hear what you're saying. You know, one of the things you said is that, you know. Pigs are not uh, not good for your health. I'm looking at your your post now. Uh, they're they're not good for your health. Like they'll they'll eat garbage. But I mean, as omnivores, which we are, we'll eat anything too if we're starved. Fair to say. Yeah, yeah. Some of us will. You know, it all depends. Right, right. Okay. So I think what happens with with pigs and and people is like. People don't appreciate how smart they are. I mean, they have the intelligence of a three-year-old and, and they're, they're smart. But again, just like you said about how animals are raised, I, mean, I don't want to eat them anyway, because I think they're adorable and I love them. I just mean in terms of how people view them, you know, or about the fact what has been done to them. And I appreciated the part you said they don't have sweat glands and what that, what happens with that, you know, there are aspects about the pig that are dangerous for us just because of how they're raised, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I did talk to a lady one time that said she, because of how, I guess they were, they were beaten or something. And so that turned her off meat and pork. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's all on your perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just think you know, they always try to say the other white meat, pork. Yeah, I don't know about that. There's yeah. just a lot of, a lot of challenges to that. <laughs> that marketing you probably agree with that yeah and i know for me you know basically i stopped eating i stopped eating that and my health became better after i stopped because it you know has a mm -hmm. lot of salt sodium so yeah yes. you know it it was better for my health that way not and not that it didn't taste good but yeah you know it just wasn't good for me and and the other thing is that you're right i mean can you get saltier than bacon and people can't get enough of bacon and right. the salt alone, right? Right. Even though they it's make other, you know, problematic in most sites. 
Yeah, even though they make beef bacon and turkey bacon, but you know, there's still some salt there, but yeah. Yeah. So I take it you don't go find a good barbecue anywhere to just kidding. <laughs> so you you mentioned this before and I just want to go back to that. You said, you know, financially eating healthier it is more difficult for people who live in in poverty. How do you navigate that with people? How do you I know it's about shopping around, but sometimes people are working three jobs and they don't know how to do it. How do you how do you provide the encouragement? What's what's the lens that you offer for encouragement? I guess I guess you know just think about what your budget is and then more so on okay, what vegetables do you like? And you like you know, and then sometimes you know you can get frozen vegetables, they don't cost that much. And then I know with canned food, people, you know, canned food has a lot of salt in it, but they make some that don't have salt. So it goes back to the labels. Yeah, you got to read the labels on, you know, how much. Yeah, actually, I was I was telling a friend this that, you know, that she has a host of health problems. So I said, well, what type of food, you know, and what type of food do you buy? She said, well, I a lot of canned food and I eat out. And I'm like, well, eating out is another thing because that can be expensive for one thing. And then you don't know what you're getting when you're eating out. Yeah, uh, unless you ask, unless point. you ask, hey, what's in this? Because you don't yeah. know sometimes unless you ask. Like you go to it's one restaurant I went to, and it was potato soup, but it had bacon in it. So of course I didn't get it. But you have to ask these questions, like what kind of what is what is this in here? And you, you just have to know what's in your food. So if you're cooking, because I also stress this to uh, clients as well, you know, cook your own food so that way you know what you're getting because. It is cheaper to go to the grocery store than to be eating out all the time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it's all yeah, it's about priorities and also understanding budget is really important. A lot of people, you know, go for fast, right? And then they don't right. consider the cost of fast in more ways than one. So there's the client who is convinced they eat well and they don't okay. have high blood pressure. They don't have high cholesterol. But they're challenged by their weight and they want to lose weight. Nobody's telling them you have to lose weight, but they're, they want to lose weight. How, how, would you, how would you approach that client? Well, I would say for that client is portion size. Because that, you know, it sometimes is, is all about your portion size. Like you could eat healthy, but then if you're eating a whole, your portions are large, then you're not going to really lose the weight. Yeah. It's also time of the day. Agree? Well, I know I had a dietitian at one time that told me it didn't matter if you eat late as long if you're eating something healthy. If you're eating like a burger and fries okay, that's at 10 o'clock at night, probably not so good. But if you're eating a salad at 10 o'clock at night, it's fine. So I that's would say, fair. yeah, it's more about what you're eating. So I appreciate that. That's, that's a wonderful reframe. It's those kind of hard Right. Don't eat past 8 p.m. You're starving the next day. I appreciate that. I'm wondering how you raising your children knowledge. What that you can have access to? Well, you know, well, I, I talked to my I talked to my son about what is healthy. And you know, he's very picky anyway. So he only drinks water and he doesn't <laughs> eat candy. And he doesn't eat a whole lot of meat really either. So it's 
it's more of, you know, having, just having, because he watches everything that I do. So I just have to make sure that I am presenting an example of what to eat. And I know when he goes to school, he wants to eat with his friends. He's like, because I used to pack him lunch. Now he's like, uh, well, he wants to eat the school lunch because, oh, because his friends are eating it. So, but I say, but he knows that, you know, not to eat pork or anything like that. He doesn't like fish. So it's uh, it's kind of, if he sees it at home and he's taught it, then I think it should carry it over. But I know he's going to eat what he wants to eat probably when he gets around his friends. You know, you bring up a good, not a good point, but a, a, a big issue really, which is school lunches and how they go against so much of what is healthy in the family and, and then kids get a taste for it and it is hard to shake it, right? But I, I also like what right. you say about, but I think what you say is really important. It's like what you role model at home, you know, is gonna be more deeply ingrained and eventually hopefully weighs out. Right. That's my my husband did eat meat growing up. Wow. Did he did he start later on? Yeah, he he eats. You know, we just saying he eats chicken and but with chicken he he doesn't eat it after a day. But he'll eat beef, but he doesn't eat he doesn't eat pork or shrimp or anything like that. Man, I always I always want to talk to people who are raised without eating meat. I I I'm so fascinated by that and you know, what the change was, like, what was the catalyst for switching over? Was it meeting you? He was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, so okay. They, they don't eat meat, so, and then when he got older, you know, he just said, okay, you know. Yeah, just switched it up. So, yeah. I really appreciate this conversation on health and how to eat healthy and chronic illness. You know, I, I don't think people think of high blood pressure diabetes, and high cholesterol is chronic illness, but it really is. And so I, I love that framework that you use. And I love the idea of people considering, how's that working for you? That's one of my favorite things in therapy is, you know, yeah, how do you feel afterwards in terms of eating is your, your lane, but my lane is how do you feel emotionally afterwards? So I, I think it's a, an excellent reflection, except for people who are in denial and believe they feel fine <laughs> afterwards. And then it's yeah. a bit more of a challenge. But please tell everybody where they can find you, get more of your, your wellness uh, advice and support. Well, then you can go to my website at havefaithandlivewell.com. I'm also on Facebook. I have a free Facebook group called Organically Reversing Chronic Illnesses. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Okay. Say the name of the Facebook page again. It's called, the Facebook group is called Organically Reversing Chronic Illnesses. Okay. I want to make sure everybody got that. Are you on Instagram at all or no? Yeah, it's C-A-S-S-A-N-D-R-1974. That's the Insta. Okay. But I appreciate the conversation. And, you know, another part of decolonization that I'm really enforcing is the idea of wellness in our bodies also being a part of decolonization, right? Leaving things that have held us hostage behind and not made us well and adding to do that differently. We have to consider all aspects, our mental, physical health, but also our well-being and how much, how connected that is to every other aspect, you know, and spirituality, how that's, that's a bridge. So thank you, Cassandra, thank you so much for coming on. Again, I just really appreciate all that you have shared and have to offer. And I wanna make sure everybody got your handles so they can find you. So thank you. 
Yeah, thank you, JD, for having me. It was, it was great. I enjoyed the conversation. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller.